Next, we're in the gym with Jack and Teal. Nope, with Jonas and Teal. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going all right. Yes, he's lost his left hand, so he's going to be all right. You son of a bitch! How are you? I am fine. How are you? Okay. You already asked that. You already told me. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> My answer could change from moment to moment, so it's Fair. good to just keep asking. That could be the whole podcast. I think we should. Let's give that a try. Yeah. Something new. Yeah. 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 How's it going? So great. I won the lottery. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How's it going for you? I didn't win the lottery, but can I have some of your lottery winnings? In which case, I'll be doing great. Oh, no. I just lost it all. I gambled it all away. (laughs) Well, then I'm not good because a friend of mine won the lottery, but then didn't share it with me because she was stupid and lost it all. (laughs) She is a jerk. Right? Worst. Yep. Ooh, what are you drinking? That is a slightly mighty. Ooh. Yes, it's needed. I have the dregs of a Hellas Awaits by Labyrinth. Which is one of my favorite Connecticut breweries. They are great. And then I also have hot chocolate with rum in it for when I run out of my Hellas. And it is also great. Everything is delicious. (laughs) I have my Pellegrino on reserve. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Do I sound okay today? I tried tightening cables and switching around plugs and stuff. I think so. As far as I can hear. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to push my earbuds as far into my ears as I can. Okay. I don't know what happened last time, if it had to do with the keyboard that I have plugged in or if the port is bad. I don't know. Basically, I just switched the plug for the keyboard and the microphone to see if that helps at all. Okay, cool. We'll find out. I don't know if it'll make any difference or if just something was plugged in loose. So I tightened all of the connections and also restarted my computer. So hopefully one of those things will fix the issue. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Ugh. So my technical difficulty was really that I recently changed my Gmail password. Ah. And for some reason, my password manager wasn't finding it. It was only finding our stargazing email password. And I'm like, I've definitely saved my (laughs) Gmail account to this password manager before. I don't know what's going on. This is annoying. That's very annoying. I ended up resetting the password again. It was only a problem because I had recently reset it and I couldn't remember what it was. And Gmail is usually yeah. one of the ones I make a point to pick a password I will remember because yeah. I don't ever want to be locked out of it. Mm-hmm. So I just changed it again. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's good all luck. good. I yeah. hate that. Thank you. <laughs> It'd been a long time. I knew it was time. So Yeah, that's fair. I've changed my password for my email recently because I have an iCloud email and that's what I use for my main email and then at around I think it was like two o'clock in the morning one day I got my phone paged like somebody was using the find my phone app to find my phone but it wasn't me because I had been sleeping right I found that very disturbing so I frantically because it had startled the crap out of me 
woke up and then changed my password for my iCloud account and everything. And it was very annoying. And then flash forward to several hours later, I asked my mom, mom, were you trying to find your phone by any chance around 2 a.m.? this morning and she's like yes how did you know i was like because you were paging my phone rather than your phone because we're on a family account so technically anyone on the family account can page anyone else's device (laughs) i don't know how she could do that by mistake though because like our devices have very different names (laughs) for example mine is happy phone of awesome nice i'm pretty sure my mom's is just iphone so So, yeah, so I don't know how she managed to do that. But long story short, I recently changed my email password because, like I said, at 2 a.m. I was panicked. Like, how has someone logged into my account? And why are they trying to find out where my phone is? Like, is there some creepy stalker looking for me? No, it was my mom. Oh. (laughs) Oh, your mom. (laughs) Oh, my mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know who else is having trouble with technology? Who is that? The SGC when they can't close the gate down. What? <laughs> again? <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> Crazy. Right? What episode is this that we're talking about where that happened to them? This is the very first episode of season six. Mm. Redemption. Holy shit. Yeah. We are officially past the halfway point. Yeah. Yeah. Happy second half of the series. Hell yeah. Whoa! (laughs) There's the juice. It's all right. We still got Atlantis and Universe. Universe. I hear there's cartoons. There's a cartoon. Definitely movies and. I don't know. Maybe new. Maybe new Stargate. Who knows? Maybe. Hopefully. That's rumored for years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so not halfway through the podcast, just halfway through this series. Yay! Yay! The team are on a random planet, and it's not going well. Mine does not go well, Enterprise. (laughs) Jack is being helped down a hill by some rando while Sam and Teal'c are uh, waiting, and he orders them to dial the gate immediately. And the rando that O'Neill is leaning on is like, I thought they were smoking a peace pipe or something. And I really want to know more about this story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure that they just wrote the guy's line to be like, now let's make everybody want to know what happened. But yeah. And we see behind, (laughs) they're being chased by a large group of, we'll call them natives. Locals. It, locals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the the scene very much had me flash to the beginning of Raiders. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. That's that scene. <laughs> yes. Would you like to keep going? Sure. In the SGC, Hammond is saying good morning to Pwalter and asking about SG-1's return. Pwalter says soon. Hammond's got something to tell Sam then conveniently the gate starts dialing and it's sg1 and they're under fire they open up to let the team in as they're coming in a spear flies overhead (laughs) i thought that was really funny (laughs) lands right at hammond's feet basically (laughs) (laughs) and he picks it up yep jack 
basically breezes by him and is like next, indicating that this fourth member of SG-1 will not be joining them ever again. Nope. Apparently, in addition to throwing spears, they're also throwing tranquilizer darts. (laughs) Good thing it wasn't like poison or something. Right? Yeah. Although we don't know, because do we ever see him again? I don't know. He (laughs) might be. I mean, the person who was attending to him, the medical person, didn't seem to think it was a problem. She's like, he's just unconscious. He? What? The medical person was a dude. She, yes, she's, sorry. So she says he's just unconscious. At least I'm making assumptions, but he looked like a person, a male. Oh, I, I don't know why I thought it was a she. But anyway. Whatever. I noticed because he was particularly attractive. Not that oh. <laughs> not that, that necessarily means somebody is a male, but it just means that I paid more attention to him. I was than too busy thinking if he about hadn't been attractive. Yeah. I was too busy thinking about whether this idiot was gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's out. Sam tells Hammond that this planet is classified as unfriendly and fairly primitive. They don't like when people call them primitive. I know. Seemed a little uh, hypocritical. They're just doing it behind their backs. It's fine. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. Before they part ways, Hammond lets Sam know that he got a call from Area 51 and it's done. It. And Sam's pretty impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. She was very excited. She was. And then credits. Credits. They're new credits, but they're still not. It made me dizzy. They were very spinny. Yeah, Yeah. they were showing the, not like a pharaoh face as they've been doing before, but showing the gate spinning. From all kinds of different angles. Yeah. Very close up of the gate. Yeah. (laughs) From many different angles. (laughs) You know whose name was missing, I noticed. Would that be Michael Shanks? It sure would. But you know whose name has been added, I noticed. Who's that? Corey Nemec. What? Yeah. I think you mean Parker Lewis. Oh, I did mean Parker Lewis. Yes. <laughs> A.K.A. Quinn. <laughs> Jonas Quinn. Jonas Quinn. Or Parker Lewis. Or Corey Nemec. Whatever you want to yeah. call him. And I know this isn't in the credits, but I did notice immediately the name of somebody who pops up later in the episode. Peekaboo. Yep, sure did. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. After credits... Jonas is apparently just Daniel now because he's got Daniel's office. It does seem a little weird that they would just be like, here's the guy that died. Go take his office. Yeah. New guy. (laughs) I mean, they made up reasons like, oh, you're going to go study all this shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he was supposed to be just taking over everything that Daniel was working on and studying all of it. And that was their reasoning for why he gets the entire office as well as all of Daniel's tchotchkes and everything that Daniel left behind. It seemed a little bit strange. Yeah, maybe they're going to make him clean out the apartment too. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, low man. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say low man on the totem pole because that's actually a huge misnomer. Yeah. (laughs) Also just bad analogy, but... Lowest ranking member. Lowest ranking. There we go. Lowest ranking, non-military, newest person there. The new guy, yeah. 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 It turns out that they have been through nine new Daniels. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. One of them apparently only lasted two hours. (laughs) That was Captain Matheson. 
they go back and forth a little bit about what Jonas is working on. And he's just talking about how he's essentially catching up on all of Daniel's work and on the anthropology and history of the planet. Turns out it's been three months that Jonas has been there. And maybe Jonas would like to leave the base. <laughs> Finally. I guess he's just been living on the base. That's boring. <laughs> Jonas is very excited to get to leave. And they're going to go to Nevada, which because he's apparently been obsessively watching the Weather Channel, he knows right off the top of his head has clear skies <laughs> and is currently 73 degrees. <laughs> Sam does let him know that there are hundreds and hundreds of other channels, but Jonas doesn't care because he thinks that the Weather Channel is pretty much just the best thing ever. <laughs> It's like magic, like predicting the future. And Sam's like, it's kind of science, though. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to go to Nevada. As Sam leaves, Jonas refers to the blue jacket that she's wearing, the blue uniform jacket, and asks how they all know what color to wear. And as she's walking out of the room, she says they call, call each, each other, other every morning. morning. End of scene. Entertaining scene. I hope that's true. <laughs> right? That would be adorable. <laughs> what are you wearing today, Colonel? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking about green. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we just all go with the black t-shirts today. Yeah. yeah. She looks like, yes, my arms are particularly swole today. <laughs> I need to show them off. Yesterday was arm day. Therefore, <laughs> my guns are looking extra blazing this morning. <laughs> they go to Area 51. And go into a hangar. There's a big black stealth-looking ship. It looks like another death glider, basically. Yeah, yeah. Sam is impressed that they are ahead of schedule with completing this. Jack and Jonas Quinn are checking it out. Jack is apprehensive because of his previous experience in a craft such as this. Yes, can't blame him. Yeah. But... The gentleman there who is showing them around, Murphy? Dr. Murphy. Dr. Murphy. He's like, this is a different ship. Sam elaborates that they made this entire thing from scratch, basically, based off of the gold technology. But there's no gold secret, what do you call it, tractor to suck them back to Apophis. Sam's like, it's entirely human built. And Jack's like, so is the Titanic. So he's uh, not buying that. Sam calls this could be the most important breakthrough for Earth since the discovery of the Stargate. Those are, that's that's very uh, impressive. Mm. Yeah. Quite. It's got a bunch of different engines, including a hyperspace window generator. Ooh. This was all made possible by the Nequadria that Jonas brought with him to Earth. And they're all really excited about it. They are. Also, Sam says that this is going to be the first human-built spacecraft capable of interstellar travel. Doesn't she mean Earth human? Because didn't the Tolans have ships? Are they human? Could they do interstellar? Who the fuck knows? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know. But anyway. Probably? Yeah. I mean, they looked human, but they're, you know, obviously the Jaffa look human too, and they're not technically yeah. human. So who knows? Who knows? But anyway, knows? Sam is basically super exciting, making big claims about this. It's all going to go great, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my uncle was a Dr. Murphy, and oh. my headcanon is that this is what he was really doing all of those years. <laughs> I'm into it. 
Yeah, right? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. He led a very interesting life. So you know what? Wouldn't actually really <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> In Hammond's office, Colonel Chekhov is there. And that was totally not his name before. <laughs> because I would have remembered if his name was Chekhov. Nuclear Wessels. I don't think he had a name until now. I really don't remember him having a name. <laughs> I actually looked it up because I was like, all right, there's no way that this guy's name was Chekhov and that I didn't notice that his name was Chekhov. So I went back and looked at that episode the first one that he was in, which was season five, episode eight, that we should have called Cigarettes in Ziggurats, according to <laughs> people online, apparently, I am told. But we instead just called Hua <laughs> for the weird noise that Daniel made. <laughs> anyway, that was his first appearance, and he was named Zukov in that episode. No, Z- wasn't Zukov the one who died? Was he? I thought he died. Oh, maybe he was. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. know. Maybe he was. In the second episode that he came up in, though, which was season five, episode 14, they just addressed him as the Russian colonel. (laughs) So maybe he didn't have a name. Who knows? Maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe Zukov was the one that... Zukov was the one that died. I think you're right. In any case, though, in trying to figure out which episodes this guy, Gary Chalk, was in, I learned that he's a prolific voice actor and also played Optimus Prime in numerous different iterations. Interesting. Of Transformers. All right. And also... A character named Optimus Primal that I don't know enough about newer Transformers to have any idea what that is. Nice. I was a huge Transformers fan when I was a kid. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's my fun facts. I enjoyed a little Transformers, but not enough to even remember anything about them now. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my fun facts, but I think you're right that his name was not Zukov. I was proud of myself, and now I'm not. Thanks for destroying that for me. (sighs) It's what I'm here for. (laughs) make your life a little bit worse moment to moment seems just about right (laughs) that tracks anyway we're still in Hammond's office (laughs) and Colonel Chekhov is there definitely not the Star Trek Chekhov but Colonel Chekhov from Russia even though Chekhov was also from Russia (laughs) he doesn't ask for the nuclear vessels he does not ask for the nuclear vessels (laughs) (laughs) Nor did he just leave a gun in there that was going to for sure be used to kill someone later if we're talking about the other Chekhov. But what he was there for was to try to get somebody from Russia to be the fourth SG-1 member, which, of course, everybody was opposed to. And by everybody, I mean Hammond, who was already in there, and Jack, who came in as Chekhov was leaving. Chekhov leaves, and Hammond and Jack continue to try to talk about how Jack thinks that they should just be allowed to continue on with three people because there's no rule that says that a Stargate team has to have four people. And Hammond's like, no, you're right, but you basically need somebody with a conscience to temper all you guys. (laughs) It was kind of the takeaway, even though we all know that Daniel was not really that role. But that was the implication of this entire conversation. He could definitely be the voice of reason at times. Yes, he absolutely could, (laughs) despite the occasional genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Hammond, though, is starting to get really impatient and annoyed with how many people that they've gone through as potential replacements that Jack has just completely turned down. Nine. He adds that Jack is off the mission list until his knee heals anyway, so he's just going to give Jack a whole bunch of personnel files for him to review to hopefully make a final decision on who their fourth member is going to be. And so Jack agrees. Yeah. 
totally not related at all in the next scene jonas is gonna <laughs> have a chat with sam yeah yeah jonas goes to see sam in her lab this time he thanks her for <laughs> getting to see the x302 and she's like well i was ordered to <laughs> which that was a weird thing to do sam yeah in this scene in particular, for whatever reason, I was noticing how young and baby-faced Cornemic looked. Yeah. And I was like, how old is this guy? Is he like 20? Because I always thought of his character as being older. And then I looked it up and the actor was actually 31 when this yeah. was Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, all right. Well, good for you then. Yeah, right? Yeah. And he's also very smiley, which even when he's he being told bad news, he's smiley yeah. about it. And then that just made me think smiling's my favorite. <laughs> Well, he is not anything like Buddy the Elf, really. They have that in common. <laughs> They're both quite happy. Yeah. yeah. They're both a little uh, out of their element. Sure. Uh, <laughs> They're both from someplace else trying to fit in. Yes. <laughs> Which is also, this is nothing to do with anything. I burned through the first season of Ted Lasso this weekend. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> Which was very much the same, like, fish out of water kind of yep. thing. And always smiling and happy. And always smiling. Well, well, usually. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting show. I have. I like it a lot. I like the first season a lot. I'm not finished with the second season, but I'm not enjoying it as much as the first. But fair. It's okay. Fair. It's okay. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. It just it. feels a little directionless to me, but mm. maybe that's the point, but also maybe not. I can see that it gets less so. Okay. So stick with it. Okay. I think I have two more episodes left. Okay. I was going to say like towards the end though, it really picks up. So Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, because... I almost shut off the Coach Beard's Great Night Out episode. I was just like, what is this? Why am I watching yeah, this? Yeah, that one was pretty boring. Kind of bored. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, this was completely off the subject. But yes, Jonas Quinn, smiling, fish out Wait, of water. I, and maybe I'm thinking of like the end of the first season. I hope I'm thinking of the end, the, the correct episodes <laughs> when I'm like, it's really good towards the end. Right, well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Jonas asks to see the plans for the X302, which Sam hands over because, again, she's like, General Hammond says I should give you anything you want <laughs> regarding the, <laughs> the Quadria research. This is just weird. Did you notice how oddly long that binder was, yes. too? But also, I thought that that was a weird response, but then the binder itself was strangely long. Yeah. I guess maybe it's a normal engineering schematics binder, but... Maybe, but it is really... It was weird. Yeah. And then she's like, I don't think you'll understand it anyway. Jonas is like, well, maybe you can give me some supplemental materials to read on science and engineering to help me with this. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay. Before he leaves, though, he has one more thing to say. And that is that he is physically fit and he's memorized almost all of Daniel's work. And he apparently has a capability much higher than the average human to learn things so he wants to be a part of sg1 sam's like that's not gonna happen yeah she's about it i thought that was a weird response she's being kind of condescending to him in this scene yeah and i wasn't sure why it was a strange strange scene i yeah yeah because she was being nice enough yeah. but she was kind of like rolling her eyes when he was asking her for a suggested list of reading materials and was being kind of sarcastic when she said she would give him one. But Jonas yeah. took her seriously and is like, great, thanks. And then I wondered if Jack following through with his promise of National Geographic magazines to the homeless guy, if Sam is going <laughs> to follow through with this promise. I hope she does. I hope so. I feel like she would. Do you think it's like 
coming from a place of just not trusting him? Could be. Or maybe she just still really can't get her head around Daniel being gone and is as reluctant as Jack is to replace him, but isn't mm, saying that. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we're in the gym with Jonas and Tilk. <laughs> Tilk was wearing a t-shirt that said Box and Bears, so I went ahead and looked that up. I did too! Yeah, Google tells me that it is the 90th flying training squadron based out of Shepard Air Force Base in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Had nothing to do with boxing. <laughs> nope. Which is what they are currently doing, though. Yes. <laughs> they are boxing, and Tilk is basically beating the crap out of Jonas. <laughs> Jonas is trying to get Tilk to put in a good word with Jack for him because Jonas really wants to join SG-1. And so he's talking it over with Tilk as a fellow alien turned Earth ally. Uh, ally? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good term for it. <laughs> they agree that if Jonas is able to knock out Tilk, which seems very unlikely at this time, that Tilk will, in fact, put in a good word for him. Then Tilk knocks him down and Jonas gets right back up and he's like, all right, hang on. Wasn't ready. And no. <laughs> oh, Jonas. Yeah. It was silly. Next. <laughs> Jack is in the commissary, uh, not eating anything, just looking at files, files and files and files. When Tilk comes over with an enormous tray full of food, <laughs> it had grapes. There was like a fruit cocktail, an apple and orange. There was a pile of rice, a sandwich, carrots and peas, maybe a little bit of salad or something else, piece of cake. It's just bananas. I thought that was mashed potatoes rather than rice. Oh. I, of course, also wrote down everything on his tray. <laughs> and I didn't see cake, but I did see pie. Oh, see? So we're just <laughs> seeing different things. But Yeah. Yeah. I noticed there was no jello on the tray, but there was a whole case full of jello along the back wall. <laughs> of course. Well, you got to make sure you, you got to have, have, have enough on hand for Sam and Jack to go through. Right. There was no blue jello this time, though, which seems to be their favorite. <laughs> Tilk then proceeds to salt his food. I mean, not the fruit, because that would be weird. <laughs> that would be disgusting. Yeah. Jack starts to complain about files he's looking through. He's not impressed with their accomplishments and whatnot. Jack says that Hammond wants him to have a social political nerd to offset our <laughs> overwhelming coolness. <laughs> Just like, how about that Jonas Quinn guy? Does this mean that Jonas actually did manage to knock him down or is Tilk just trying to be nice here? We don't know. We, we really don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Jack's like, he's an, a he's an alien. <laughs> Which... Tilk is, you know, offensive. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's like, we don't need anybody else. We've got Sam and we're all good. Tilk's like, you learn to trust me. And Jack's like, that's different. But Tilk's like, not really. They don't continue their conversation because there's an unscheduled incoming traveler. Okay. What the hell happened to the old announcements? I don't know. I guess they're sticking with that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Halfway through the series, and they're like, you know what? Let's change things up. There's an unscheduled incoming traveler. There's no unauthorized off-world activation. There's no unscheduled off-world activation. It's all very strange. So yeah. they head on out to figure out what that is. In the hallway, before they even get to the gate, they find that it is Braytac who is there. Woo! 
with Hammond? Yes. It turns out that Dryak is very sick and Tilk needs to go see her right away. Hammond gives permission for them to go. Elsewhere in the SGC, Jonas is riding in an elevator with Sam, talking about Tilk's family, like you do, <laughs> gossiping. Jonas didn't know he had a wife or a family. So Sam gives them a little bit of history on that, and Jonas is confused why Tilk is there, but they talk about how important this cause is to him and that he feels like he's doing a greater good service by being here. Major Chekhov comes up out of nowhere and starts screaming at Sam about the X-302 plane that we were looking at before. And seriously, why yell at Sam instead of Hammond? Yeah, that's kind of weird. About this. I thought that was stupid. Yeah. And Jonas, who was talking before about how he's usually good at reading people and was surprised he wasn't better at reading Teal'c, <laughs> says, you know, it might not be obvious, but this, this man, man is actually, actually very upset. upset. <laughs> he has very good timing for a joke. Right? Yeah, it was quite silly. <laughs> Chekhov does eventually go see Hammond about this since Sam yes. can't give him any answers or anything. Hammond wants to know how Chekhov found out about it. And Chekhov's like, that's not important. How about the fact that you're still violating our treaty? Hammond's like, that has nothing to do with the Stargate, which <laughs> that is bullshit, Hammond. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they can't argue too much further because there's another unauthorized incoming wormhole happening. Sam's like, what now? Evan's like, I'll take anything over this. So he's, <laughs> he's done with the Russians. They head on to the control room where the gate has opened, but the iris is up. They're not getting any signal that's coming through at all. They are not getting anything. The gate is still open, though. Jack's like, the Gould have done this before, which, yes... Sam's like, yeah, to block our escape when they attacked in ships. But Walter says, deep space doesn't see anything. Is this all of deep space from all angles? How can they see that? Right? No idea. Sam, though, is puzzled because apparently you have to send something through to keep a wormhole open. Okay. Any kind of signal. Or she's like, oh, a radio signal, anything. We're getting nothing. But then I was thinking about that time Jack had his fucking hand, like, stuck in the gate to keep it open. Like, you don't actually have to send it through. Kind of sending it. That would have been really funny if it just closed on his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have definitely seen gates close on people like Kowalski back in the first episode. Was that an outgoing gate or an incoming gate? I don't remember. I think he was trying to escape, so I think it was outgoing. Yeah, so it was outgoing. So why didn't Jack's arm get cut off if Kowalski's head did? Who knows? Anyway, those are episodes that happened a very long time ago. The Stargate continues to baffle, but that's okay. Hammond orders Sam to figure out what the hell's going on, and he's going to go talk to President and Bestie. Jack's like, I don't know what's going on, and leaves as well, (laughs) which is also weird. Meanwhile, Teal... And Braytac did make it back to Chulak before these issues with the gate started. They go to the camp where Dryak and Ryak are currently living. The issue is that Dryak's symbiote got too old and she refused to take a new one. So I guess that's why she's dying. Sounded like it. So they kept talking about how committed Dryak was to the cause. But when we've actually seen her in the past, she was really only kind of half committed to it and really more just 
going along with it because it was what Teal'c wanted, but opposed yeah. to the cause because it caused her to be an outcast. So it, it was weird that they're like, she was so committed. Was she though? Yeah. She not, not really. I guess maybe in more recent years, something changed. I don't know. Maybe. But I mean, we, we really have her for a long time. Her, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Anyway, suddenly Ryak comes out of a tent, very upset, and runs into Teal'c. Teal'c is, of course, very happy to see Ryak, but Ryak doesn't really seem so pleased to see Teal'c because he tells Teal'c that Dryak just died and it is Teal'c's fault, according to Ryak. On Earth, they're still trying to puzzle out what's going on. Hammond and Jack keep throwing out ideas and Sam keeps shooting them down. And Sam says, we just need to wait this out. You know, as far as we know, this wormhole will not stay open longer than 38 minutes. So let's see what happens then. Hammond's like, well, can whoever's doing this just keep redialing? And Sam's like, I programmed the computer to dial out immediately after it closes. So hopefully we'll not have that problem. Not to mention when that happened in the past, they were not able to dial out faster than the other person was able to dial in. True. Maybe she's made that speedier even than it had been. Yeah, because she had already tried to make it speedier and it wasn't speedy enough. Turns out it was almost 38 minutes while they're having this conversation. So they're able to watch a countdown clock or count up clock. I don't know. It hits 38 (laughs) minutes and then it keeps going and the gate stays on and... Oh, shoot. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Back on Chulak, Tilk goes into the tent. We don't actually see Dryak, but there is a body lying on the bed, and he walks up to it and takes the veil off of its face or off of her face and kneels down next to her and cries, and it's very sad because I hate to see Tilk being sad. Yes. Yeah. Outside a little bit later, he goes to find Ryak, and Ryak... Talks about how she's dead because of him, because he believed in Teal'c and Teal'c's cause, and how long were they supposed to keep living like this in this tent village full of outcasts, and is everybody there going to continue to die like she did because they're refusing to take symbiotes when their symbiotes get too old? Ryak is also going on about how it doesn't really matter what Teal'c does because they're still always going to be slaves to the gold as long as they require symbiotes to live. But Teal'c is very confident and tries to assure Ryak that they will find a way to be free. They will figure out some way around their dependence on the hagfish. And then he also tells Ryak that everything that he's done has been for Ryak. So he hasn't abandoned them. He hasn't forgotten about them. But Ryak isn't hearing any of that and instead says that he is going to avenge his mother's death. And so he picks up a weapon and points it at Teal'c. I did notice here that the actor that plays Ryak while his character was still kind of annoying, is much better at uh, the actual acting as he has gotten older. Yes. Ryak doesn't actually shoot Tilk, but he does hit him with the staff weapon a bunch of times. And of course, Tilk refuses to fight back against his son. And so he basically just lets Ryak beat the shit out of him. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. First, he gets beaten by Jonas. Now he's getting beaten up by his kid. Yeah. It's a bad day for Tilk. Poor Tilk. And also his wife died, I guess. Also his wife died. I meant as far as physical damage. (laughs) Yes, I know. That is also bad. (laughs) Yes, quite bad. His wife, who's probably just a pile of blankets because they didn't want to pay an actor. Right? I was wondering that too. Is there an actual person there? Is it like just like some 
random relative of a person? Is it just a dummy? <laughs> Who knows? Like some guy's kid happened to be on the set that day and they're like, hey, kid, we need a body on that bed for a while. <laughs> Go lay there. Yeah. In the SGC, we see Lieutenant Crush is back. I did not even realize him as Lieutenant Crush. Yeah. That was fantastic. He, uh, this is apparently his last appearance in this series. Oh, that's too so, bad. I like him. Yeah. He's back. He's helping Sam try to figure out what's going on. They're trying to check all of their energy readings, and he reports that there is a rise in the power retained in the gate's capacitors. Sam's like, well, that fluctuates. And he's like, well, it hasn't for 12 minutes. They look for some more incoming energy readings by increasing their sensitivity to those signals. They see a little blip. So she has him increase it again to 200%. I feel like she's had him increase things by percentages before. That's like his I'm thing. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure you're right. He does. And they see there's some more blips and it's a pattern. So yeah, that's not just a random thing. Nope. That's bad. Quite. On Chulak, Ryak is continuing to beat up Tilk and also now yelling at Tilk for not fighting back and asking Tilk, don't you think I'm a worthy opponent? And like, seriously, kid, you're half his size. So <laughs> yeah. as Braytak rightfully points out, he would snap you in half if he actually <laughs> chose to fight back. Braytak continues to defend Tilk, saying that Tilk wasn't the one to choose Dryak's fate. She chose it herself as much as anyone did because everybody is a victim of the Glowold, so really no one chose their fate but fighting the Glowold is still the correct path ryak says that tilt cares more for dying than his own flesh and blood but braytak says yeah we all have to if we are ever going to be free ryak hands over the weapon and then goes storming off while tilt just hangs out bleeding in the sgc Sam is reporting to Hammond that they are getting this energy buildup and that they found this very, very tiny amount of energy that apparently that's going through and doing this. She says the iris is likely slowing this energy transfer a lot, but not stopping it. This is bad because if you exceed the Stargate's capacity for holding energy, the Naquita will explode. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> That's new. Yeah. <laughs> Just... And they maybe have a few days at most. Hammond asks for some good news, but no, Sam has just bad news. This would be a blast big enough to take out all of Colorado and possibly destroy all life on Earth. Hmm. That's bad. Jack's like, there's worse. And Sam's like, we don't know how to stop it, which does sound worse. Quite. Yeah. That is, in fact, worse, Sam. Yeah. Also going bad is things on Chulak. That's a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> They're having a funeral anyway, which I guess funerals aren't inherently bad, but it's sad because she wasn't that old and died tragically. So yeah. everybody's sad. Tilk lights her funeral pyre. They reminisce about how committed she was to the cause like we were talking about before. Braytak also talks about how Ryak is not really blaming Tilk so much as just doubting himself and... Also doubting that Tilk has any faith in him because Ryak has never gotten over the whole brainwashing thing, even though he seemed fine when we saw him after that. But no, apparently he's still 
Dwelling on that, Teal'c mentions the fact that he also recently had his brain taken over <laughs> by Apophis and the whole Malsharan thing that Braytac had to do. And so he's like, why would Ryak think that I wouldn't believe in him when I went through that myself? And Braytac's basically like, because you never told him that. You never told him you believe in him and you never told him what happened to you. So... Yeah. Tilk then does go off and find Ryak and tell him the whole story and then tells Ryak, you never needed to win my trust because you never lost it. And they have a big emotional hug. Aw. It was fine. Too sappy for me. <laughs> a bunch of random people in, that work in the SGC yeah. are doing stuff. One of them suggests cutting power to the gate. Lieutenant Crush is like, nope. Because incoming wormholes get their energy from the off-world source. Okay. Okay. Was that true? No, that wasn't true of the... Uh, trying to think of the black hole planet. Didn't they dial out to the black hole planet? I think so, yeah. And or they were still saying that it was getting its energy source from the black hole planet, even though it wasn't from... Oh, maybe they The dial black hole planet wasn't the source planet. Yeah. I, I don't know. But anyway. I remember now. Yeah. 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 They also, Sergeant Zyler says, can't use the Russian gate because there's already a wormhole on Earth and you can't have two wormholes on the same planet in this gate system. Yeah. That's been established before, though. Yeah. and That you can't. Yeah. Jonas Quinn walks in and has a look around at everything that's going on. He just seems thoughtful while he's watching people. Yep. That was it. Yep. <laughs> Elsewhere in the SGC, Sam is doing some work, trying to figure out what to do about the situation. And then all of a sudden, Rodney's there telling Sam that she's as sexy as ever. So that was gross. But also, I do still like Rodney, despite the fact that his character is still terrible Yeah, in this show so far. <laughs> Apparently, he's out of Antarctica or wherever it was that they sent him to. They had sent him to Russia. Russia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I knew they had sent him someplace cold and he is there to try to help them, obviously, defuse this situation. Sam says that we don't need your help because you suck. So <laughs> Rodney's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go get some coffee and a donut and wait for the explosion. <laughs> he leaves. Then Palter hands Sam his headset because someone's calling her, I guess. Yeah. In Hammond's office, Jack and is it General Chekhov? I don't know. Anyway, Jack and Chekhov yeah. and Hammond... Yeah. They're all hanging out. They're arguing again about the ship and what's going on and what's the point of this protected planets treaty when you can't ever reach the Asgard when we need them, which is a good point. Right. Sam comes in, though, to interrupt whatever this conversation was to let them know that Dr. Murphy has called and the X-302 can be ready to fly in six hours. Ooh, convenient. Jack's like, I thought it was going to be weeks. And she's like, well, we've tried everything. This is our only chance to contact the Asgard, and I would like to go. Jack also volunteers to go, even though he has a torn ligament in his knee. Hammond's like, cool, yes, of course, if you're up for it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you need your knees to fly a plane? I know I nothing know. about flying a plane. So they're going to head out. On Chulak, Tilk, Braytak, and Ryak are hanging around. A Jaffa comes up named Shakrell and tells Tilk that your friends, they're all in trouble because they're under attack from Anubis. So that sucks. 
And that's that scene. Yep. Then we're in Area 51 with Dr. Murphy and SG Half. Yeah. What are these outfits? Oh, I didn't even notice. Oh, yeah. They wear weird outfits. <laughs> they reminded me of something, but then I couldn't quite place it like a Star Wars. Yeah. they, they Something, right? The white and black was very stormtrooper-y, although it's yeah. not really. Yeah. But not really quite. I don't know. It was weird. They were very weird. Yeah. <laughs> that they were wearing their flight suits. Jack needs a little reassuring from Dr. Murphy, but Dr. Murphy promises them that despite having gone through the rigorous testing that would have been ideal, it's fine. It'll fly. Everything's totally fine. Nothing's going to go wrong. Jack's <laughs> like, all right, cool. Then why don't you come with us? And Murphy's like, no, uh, I can't do that. They're going to just have to go on their own. Sam and Jack get ready in the plane to go off and try to find the Asgard somewhere. Somewhere. In the briefing room in the SGC, I think. Yes. Jonas is there when General Hammond and Rodney come in. They're in the middle of a conversation, but since they walked into a room with someone else, Jonas is like, I'd like to talk to you, General. And Hammond's like, I don't really have time because Sam and Jack are about to take off. But Jonas is like, this is what we need to talk about. And he says he's got concerns. He's not a scientist, but he's done a lot of studying. And this... Flight is not going to work. Rodney's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so they're in agreement. Yeah. Yeah. They meet each other, introduce themselves. Rodney calls him the alien with the wacky Nakwita. <laughs> <laughs> Wackwita? Yeah. <laughs> Jonas tries to convince Hammond they shouldn't do this. Because bad things could happen. Rodney takes Jonas's notebook and is looking through it. And he's like, oh yeah, this is even worse than I thought. Hammond, though, is not hearing any of these warnings. And is like, we don't have a choice. The planet's going to be destroyed. And you're going to die along with the rest of us if this doesn't work. So unless you have something to offer, let's all go downstairs, cross our fingers, and hope for the best. Always a good plan yeah. of action. Yeah. Jonas is like, cross my finger? McKay <laughs> explains finger crossing and shows him how to do it. <laughs> Calls it ridiculous. He goes to leave and Jonas reaches over and snatches back his notebook that Rodney was apparently just going to take. So that was that. This was weird because... Quite. They're not... Being like, this is our only hope, but being told it's probably definitely not going to work and dismissing that out of hand, then it's just kind of a yeah. waste of time for them right? to try something that's not going to work at all. Yeah. So is this more... Exactly. This is more maybe mistrust and or panic? I don't know. But if it was mistrust, then you'd think that they would maybe be willing to listen. Like, why even bring McKay there if they're just going to completely ignore his advice? That's and they've true. got two people. They've got Jonas, who's kind of like an unofficial advisor, telling them it's not going to work. But then McKay, their actual consultant, who they brought there <laughs> it's to true. help, is telling them it's not going to work. And they're just like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. Yep. Back in Area 51, they're doing their pre-flight checks. Jack is very impressed to learn that they have inertial dampeners. And somehow, though, he knows that they're working because he says check. He's like, oh, check. <laughs> and then he asks if they have phasers. But Sam's like, no, sorry. In the SGC, Jonas 
comes in and Palter and McKay are already in there. They are radioing with Sam and Jack. Hammond is also there and tells them that Jonas and McKay have some concerns. And Sam's like radioing back. Yeah, well, everything's fine. We've run all the scenarios. Everything's fine. Nothing could go wrong. It's inconceivable. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Anything could go wrong. <laughs> Jack's like, yeah, it's those inconceivable ones that I am concerned about. <laughs> so he was already apprehensive and hearing that Rodney and Jonas both are also skeptical it makes him more skeptical. But they're, of course, going to go through with this anyway. Because Sam says that there's like a million safety mechanisms that could compensate for every single possible thing that could go wrong. And then she says that she's arming the ejection system, which Jack isn't too pleased to hear until she tells him that she's joking. <laughs> they go for lunch. And then they take off. And it was an absurdly steep climb. And I was like, good thing that they have those inertial dampeners. Right. <laughs> they go up and up and up. Mm-hmm. As they're continuing their climb, Jonas is impatiently pacing around the control room. Then they hit Mach 3. Until SGC that everything is going fine. And apparently they've named this thing Abydos 1. For reasons. For reasons. <laughs> so Abydos went over. All right. On Chulak, Tilk's trying to go home, but he can't dial in. Yeah. His friend is elaborating on Anubis's terrible plan that he's going to use the Stargate to destroy another and that's earth and that's bad and it's already happening they can't warn them by stargate but don't worry shakral brought this ship with him i need to stop making gestures while i'm talking and turning the <laughs> microphone because i like, and everyone else cannot see no you cannot see but i am i've turned the chair and i've opened my arm with a flourish as if the cargo ship were right in my living room. <laughs> we we can all see that cargo yep, ship. Yep. <laughs> right there in your living room. It's beautiful. I don't know how you fit yep. it in there, but it's yep. impressive. They don't know where the weapon is, but they conclude that since Anubis, while powerful, only has a small amount of territory. So if they try to dial out to those stargates and they can't reach one, that's probably where they need to go. To stop this. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> and then Braytac is like, let's hope <laughs> it's one of the planets to which I can remember this secret. <laughs> and I, that was very funny. <laughs> I was amused. Yeah. yeah. Out in space, Sam and Jack are spacing. In SGC, everything's fine. Back in space, fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's just fine. Everything continues to be fine as I scroll down my notes. <laughs> Still fine. They go to try to make the jump to hyperspace. And then a bunch of alarms go off and they get knocked off course. Oops. So that seems bad. <laughs> they call back to the SGC and say something went wrong. There's really not any discussion. They just scrub the mission and tell them to come home. Yeah. Because <laughs> no chances if it didn't work that first time. Mission failure. Get out of there. Yep. Jack is not pleased. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> Just the 
worst advice. Anyway, <laughs> I did like during this whole sequence when Jonas Quinn crosses his fingers, he just uses his two index fingers on either hand and crosses them in front of him. <laughs> did not even notice that. that was I love it. It was very silly. Jack and Sam have returned from Area 51 already. That's fast. Yeah. They don't know exactly what's going on, but they're still analyzing the data from this flight, Sam says, but it looks like a 6053 error, whatever that is. Duh. <laughs> I was Just, thinking that seemed to be exactly what it was likely going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. The only error I know is 404, not found. So <laughs> she said that they couldn't get a lock on the destination once the window was open so they aborted and which is a built-in safety feature so good they didn't die yeah the safety features did work yeah she said the hyperspace window was unstable they thought they'd compensated for it but apparently not jonas is sitting there eating something and is like i don't think you can jack says apparently carter and i could have been torn asunder that would have been bad. Yeah. Rodney, though, says it's more likely that you would have just been transported to a random location where you'd probably <laughs> die in the vastness of space. That would have also been Yeah. <laughs> they can't fix this. They don't even know why this problem exists. So they are out of luck with the 302. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. In Sam's lab, she's samming and jack comes in and wants to know why she's not with the eggheads downstairs not that you're an egghead but you're an egghead but in a good way sam was having trouble focusing down there so she needed to come up to her office to be alone i get that sam understandable still though she doesn't think that she's going to be able to figure it out in time she says even if she had a couple years she probably wouldn't be able to figure it out jack says stop sounding like you're afraid because you're making me nervous and now i'm gonna go eat some cake <laughs> Basically. And Sam's going to go join him in eating some cake because <laughs> thinking more is apparently not doing any good. Then the alarms all go off. So I guess they're not going to go have their cake after all. No, they head down to the control room instead where Walter reports they're experiencing a widespread power loss, which is then followed by an image of Anubis appearing in front of the gate. Nice and creepy. Much creepier than yeah. the Sokar face. Quite. And Anubis has something to say. Yeah. But they did say that it must be Asgard technology, which I thought was weird because Sokar did do the exact same thing. True. True. Anubis is like, you guys are done and we're going <laughs> to kill y'all and you're going to all bow to me first and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Ha 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 ha. Lols. He's just there to gloat. <laughs> Yep. Jack, though, is like, oh, please. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. It is. Because this is a two-parter. <laughs> Sorry. Kathy, did you like the episode? <sighs> Not really. It was fine, but their resistance to listening to Jonas and Rodney yeah. was right. too much. Especially when Sam knows better. Oh, no, no. We, we accounted for everything. La, 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 yep. la. No. Yeah. What are you doing? You do this all the time. Why? Anyway, that made me crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, the scene where she was talking to Jonas about joining SG1 was weird. I really enjoyed Jonas Quinn and Teal Boxing, though. I did like that a lot. Yeah. 
Um, that was great. Yeah. And I feel like this has been done before, kind of, in so mm-hmm. many different ways in different episodes. So uh, we'll see how it goes because there's another part of this, but I wasn't super fond of this. How about you? Yeah, it was just kind of meh, mediocre episode. I did think it was weird the way that they were treating Jonas. Like, I get they don't really necessarily trust him, but also he, like, risked his life and gave up everything to help them. So maybe at least, like, just like don't Duke. be so condescending to him. Yeah. and. Maybe at least give him a chance on SG-1. Like, if you're literally not finding anybody else, a mission, perhaps. Yeah. To just try things out and see how you work out with the team. Yeah. I get the resistance from, like, Jack, because it's Jack, but... Yeah. But Jack's gonna turn down everybody. Really wasn't expecting that from Sam. Yeah. Same here. And it it was surprising to me that Teal'c was the only one that was like, yeah, you should be given a chance. Yeah. As I mentioned, I thought it was just weird that they put... Jonas right in Daniel's office and just like, yep, you're the new Daniel, but we're not going to trust you or anything, but you're going to have all of Daniel's secrets here. So that's fine. And also, like you said, there's bits and pieces of all different kinds of episodes, like plot devices that we've seen before. So that was all weird. And yeah, it's just a weird episode. Yeah. Very strange episode. And yeah, why even bring Rodney if you're just going to ignore whatever he tells you? (laughs) Yeah, that makes no sense. So weird. Yeah. Also, there was promise of cake and then cake didn't happen. So that was disappointing. That's true. Although I think I saw cake on TLX's plate, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end here, though. True. True. They were going to go eat cake and then they didn't get to. So That is sad. That's sad for them, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? I bet I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do you want to take a stab at it? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I could take a stab at it if we wanted to switch up the roles here at the end of the episodes now that we're halfway through. Oh, God. I don't think I could do, like, the the spiel at the end off the top of my sure head. Sure you could. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. <laughs> I have the booklet. Let's save this for I next I was going to say, oh, I don't have a booklet, though. Should I search online? <laughs> I can take pictures and send it to you. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> Oops. Oops. I don't have any light in here. Let me... Oh, I can't. Hold on. Technical issues. I could also look and see what IMDB says, because I'm pretty sure it's from the booklet. Oh. Oh, the summary on... Oh, there's all kinds of summaries on IMDB, not just the booklet. Okay. Oh, this is completely different. Huh. I'll read them both. All right. Yeah. Episode two. Redemption, part two. Normally, they give the second one a different name. Yeah. Weird. Okay. As Tilk and his son battle to save Earth, O'Neill pilots the X-3 and newly designed... Didn't this all already happen? But this is what it says. A newly designed interstellar spacecraft that will carry the Stargate far away from... Oh. Oh. Far away from Earth (laughs) so it can explode harmlessly in deep space. But how will SG-1 operate without the Stargate if only there's another (laughs) Stargate somewhere on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. another stargate you say meanwhile imdb has a shit ton of descriptions looks like they were mostly written by random people but the first one here says a newest weapon continues to threaten earth earth various plans are tried until jonas quinn suggests something simple that just might work 
Meanwhile, Master Braytac has discovered the planet from which Anubis is launching the attack. He, Tilk, and Ryak journey there to stop it. <laughs> Something simple, Jonas Quinn. Yeah. Neither of them are as fun as the weird Netflix ones used to be. Love is all you need, Jonas. Although it's back on Netflix. We could keep using it. It's back it. Wait, on no, Netflix? It? No, it's not. Oh. No, it's not on Netflix. It's on Amazon yeah. Prime in the crappy edited version. Arg yeah. barg. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. You got this, Kathy. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate your being here, and we'd appreciate it if you could like us and review us on Apple Podcasts or something. And sure. Anywhere you find anywhere your podcast. You can, anywhere you yeah. can review things, like it, follow us. We love that. If you are feeling generous, you can visit us at patreon.com slash stargazing. Uh-huh. We love to hear from you, which you can get in touch with us either through email, which is stargazing at gmail.com. You can message us or leave us a voicemail on our website. You can also find us on Instagram and Mastodon somewhere. <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, stargazing at masto.world. Okay. <laughs> and Instagram is just stargazing. Yes, right? Yes. Yes. Um, is that everything? I think so. It's a different order. Yeah. So I'm checking <laughs> in my head. I'm like, I, I think everything. Yeah. Sounds like everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yay. New things. Yeah. Different things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Kathy. And I'm Mary. And you've been listening to... Stargazing. <laughs> Did you forget the No, podcast? I was trying to think of the words mirror universe stargazing, oh. and I couldn't come up with it. I submit to you that your empire is illogical. Let me try that again. And you've been listening to Stargazing. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Fabulous. That whole thing has to stay in. <laughs> <laughs>